0: Early on, the Trump administration told federal agencies to reduce the regulatory burden by removing two rules for every one they proposed. The EPA managed to exceed its deregulatory goals, as we learned from the Director of Toxics, Chemical Management and Pollution Prevention Directorate in EPA's Office of Inspector General, Jeff Harris. Mr. Harris, good to have you on. Good morning. Now, in looking at this program of regulatory reduction, what were your chief findings for the way EPA went about doing it?
1: We found that actually the EPA was um, successful in achieving the goals of the executive order in the first two years which was 2017 2018. The premise for the executive order was to do two things one of which was to reduce um, unnecessary regulations and specifically they're looking at looking at identifying existing regulations that are outdated or no longer necessary that eliminate jobs or Otherwise, interfere with regulatory reform efforts and to save money at the same time. In the first year, in 2017, across the board, the goal was to have a net neutral um, cost of zero across the federal government for its regulatory efforts. And then in each sub- subsequent year, the OMB uh, identified individual targets for cost savings across the federal government, and for EPA, it was to In 2018, to save $40 million in regulatory costs to the public, and in 2019, $50 million. And they were successful in both years.
0: And when they did this regulatory reduction, they did it within the legal requirements because some things are statutorily called for by the agency, so they couldn't eliminate anything they had to keep, correct?
1: Yes, it is true. There are certain things that are beyond the agency's control, Um, They must adhere to the Administrative Procedures Act whenever they're taking regulatory actions. And they're also bound by um, judicial decisions as to what needs to be promulgated in any given year. And they're also subject to congressional mandates. Um, For example, um, the Lautenberg Act was passed in 2016, which amended the Toxic Chemical Substances Control Act and um, it mandated that certain rules be promulgated in successive years. So EPA has no choice sometimes in terms of what it needs to issue. And um, so the executive order only affected things that were discretionary on EPA's part.
0: But you did find some issues with the way they did about this. There are some procedures or some, I guess, rules for deruling that they should have followed.
1: Yes. Our Inspector General's Office routinely looks at EPA programs. And the primary way to do that is to look at procedures and policies that affect the program's effectiveness, efficiency, transparency, and consistency. In this particular case, we looked at the um, e- efficiency and transparency of how EPA was making its regulatory um, decisions to comply. And we found that there were opportunities for increasing transparency and increasing outreach, if it uh, so choose going forward.
0: And can you elaborate on that, transparency and outreach, does that mean dealing with the people within EPA that are responsible for the rules, or dealing with the industry and the regulated entities?
1: Um, in the first year of the executive order, EPA made a major effort to get input from stakeholders who were affected by regulatory decisions, both for industry and the public sector and each of the media offices within EPA, which I mean by the ones that regulate air, water, land, and chemicals, conducted public meetings to um, get information and, and collected information, other means, and looked at trying to set the initial priorities for the agency in terms of its deregulatory actions. That was done in 2017, it's done, it's now 2019 going into 2020. And we we're interested in seeing distinct to which the EPA was going to continue to reach out to stakeholders and get more uh, ongoing information about how things are going, um, what new priorities may be, and um, thought that would be a, a continuing issue um, that was a good idea, a good practice to begin with, and could be continued. And um, secondly, we're also looking at the extent to which the agency is being um, transparent in how it makes these decisions. Um, the, there's an initial reporting um, a requirement to, um, to report to the administrator of EPA of how uh, the initial decisions were made um, and then no requirement after that. So we thought an ongoing requirement reporting out to the public about how decisions are made and which decisions are made under this executive order be something that would be useful to people in the public and people who are interested in following the the progress of this executive order.
0: We're speaking with Jeff Harris. He's Director of Toxics, Chemical Management, and Pollution Prevention Directorate in EPA's Office of Inspector General. And I noticed that you pointed out something that they created in pursuit of this effort, something sort of technical, but you called it a noteworthy achievement, this uh, spreadsheet. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, as I mentioned, one of the things that we look for... um, usually across the board for EPA programs, is how consistent um, they are in following procedures, how consistent they are in achieving goals across different offices. And so we looked at how the different media offices, air, land, water, were estimating the cost savings that would come from different regulatory decisions. And it turns out that there was no consistent methodology to create cost savings, identify cost savings across the different offices. And initially, there was no guidance for the Office of Management and Budget on how each agency should do this. So we have an Office of Economists here at EPA who identified the issue, and they went to OMB and worked with them to develop a standardized methodology and created a worksheet that each of the offices within each EPA could use to identify and develop costs. So our our economists here at um, EPA work with OMB to create something that was um, applicable and useful and has been applied ever since, and uh, we thought that was quite a a best practice that was uh, applied and developed here.
0: Sounds like something they could transfer to other departments and just fill in the blanks with whatever their context might be.
1: Yes, correct. That's how it was supposed to work, yes.
0: All right. And you also found some issues with EPA's annual performance plan with respect to the OMB performance indicators. And what did you tell us about that one?
1: Yes. Initially, in the Office of Management and and Budget Guidance for implementation of this executive order, there was five measures that they asked for each agency to produce. The measures included looking at the number of evaluations to identify potential Deregulatory actions under, under this executive order. Um, number two was the number of deregulatory actions that we'd, we would recommend for implementation in any given year. The number three was the deregulatory action. I mean, the regulatory actions that would be applicable in any one year. And then two more looking at the combined net actions. And number five was the total costs. When we looked at the annual plan that was submitted to Office of Management and Budget by EPA, we found only two of the five measures included. And it turned out that in the two and a half years since the initial guidance was issued that basically EPA and OMB had negotiated a simpler form so that only the costs and the savings of each, the numbers and the savings of each executive order action would be included. I would like to note also for the the audience that um, the scope of our review looked only at the management controls in place to achieve the executive order objectives. We did not evaluate any of the human health or environmental impacts resulting from the actions. So really it's a, an accounting um, outcome as opposed to an environmental impact or human health impacts of these actions. That's something that um, was beyond the scope of our review.
0: And what were your major recommendations, and did the EPA say, sure, we'll do that?
1: Again, we recommended things that we thought would increase transparency and outreach. Uh, We recommended that um, the EPA specify the extent to which it's going to solicit more input from stakeholders. Um, We asked that the decision makers in charge of implementing the executive order have regular scheduled meetings and produce progress reports as well as provide information on its website about its um, regulatory as well as deregulatory actions. The agency agreed with identifying schedule of meetings and decisions and reporting out the initial progress that was achieved in 2017. They did not agree with increasing its its transparency on its website. It has a website now that currently identifies the deregulatory actions that are initiated based on this executive order, but chose not to identify any of the regulatory actions and disagreed with the extent that would be useful or easy to do. And they're also um, not interested in doing more aggressive outreach for soliciting stakeholder input. They're going to use the traditional means where, when EPA recommends or uh, announces a potential regulatory action, there's a process in place where um, people can comment on a docket or on a a suggestion and um, not go out and do extraordinary public outreach like it did initially.
0: Jeff Harris is Director of Toxics, Chemical Management, and Pollution Prevention Directorate in EPA's Office of Inspector General. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for your interest in our work.
0: We'll post this interview and a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target's Red Card Debit Card, you'll save 5% every Target trip on top of everyday low prices, in-store and online. Debit Red Card links from your existing bank account. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. Restrictions apply.